pushes away from McCulloch. Thurston gets the ball to Morgan. Morgan crosses the 20. Comes away to O'Neill. Gets the ball. Melder scores. Melder scored in the corner. This is Above the Horizontal, a podcast about rugby league. I'm your host, Bo Nicholson. Queensland fans will be licking their wounds after New South Wales dusted them up 26-0 on Sunday night, but we'll find some comfort in the women prevailing in a tight encounter on Friday. To discuss, I'm joined by Kieran Gibson, Miles Stebbin and Daniel Friend, so stay tuned. We're back to a full compliment this Wednesday evening. Miles Stedman, you have returned from your one-week suspension for careless lack of footy tips. Um, <laughs> you obviously would have enjoyed the origin festivities of the weekend, particularly the Queensland women beating the New South Wales women on Friday night. <laughs> that was my least favourite part of the weekend. Um, but yes, I, I am back to gloat. Uh, well timed. <laughs> Yeah, I can't wait to hear more of that later on in the episode. Friendy, we'll probably also hear some gloating from you, I would say, uh, particularly after New South Wales won. You didn't manage to get uh, any of your predictions right. Could you run us through what some of those were? Hey, Bo. Hey, guys. Uh, yeah, so I had Dan Safidi. I had him for man of the match. He did run oh, 128 metres, which was the most for any Blues forward. Uh, with 35 tackles. I thought he, he second stint was really good. Um, Tommy Trebojevic, I had as first try scorer. I did say for the listeners from last week that Teddy would be sweeping out the back and he would either hit uh, Trebojevic or Fox um, unmarked. So he, he obviously he skipped Turbo and, and hit the Fox out wide. So obviously not um, correct, but not as far away as yeah some may have thought. And your bold prediction was that three of the four wingers would score from memory. Was it just the one? It was. Uh, the Fox crashed over twice. And Felt and Coates actually both got over the line with ball in hand. Mm. But, yeah, they, they were stopped. So, again, incorrect, but closer than people think. Yes, indeed. Unfortunately for you, Coates and Felt got a bad case of Queenslanditis and dropped the ball over the line. Uh, Val Holmes did that a few times in the last series as well. Uh, but we can report that your bowl prediction before Origin 1 has come to fruition. The winner of Game 1 has indeed won the series. So well done to you for that prediction. Thank Kieran. You. Kieran, you, uh, <laughs> you'd be much less happy about how things went, but you also almost tipped... Addo Carr for first try scorer if memory mm. serves, uh, but you did get the correct player of the match. I had Josh Addo Carr written down on the run sheet, and then I don't know. Well, I, I do know why I, I thought Cleary would put up a wedge kick and Tedesco would score. That didn't happen. Um, but yeah, I correctly tipped Tedesco to win man of the match and New South Wales, although I had the, I think you had the closest margin. I did have the closest margin. We'll get to that in a moment. You had your bold prediction. I don't know if you oh, yeah. got yours right or not, though, because you had uh, Christian Welch, Papali'i, Arrow, Fodawaka, and Fa'asua Maliawi all to run for more than 100 metres. That I don't think that's likely that that happened. I think three of five did, and uh, Tino was the biggest letdown of the five, for sure. <laughs> Yeah, he's he's been a been a lot less impactful than he was last series. That is for sure. My uh, my tips did not go particularly well. I was the closest with margin. I tipped New South Wales by eighteen. My player of the match was Nathan Cleary, who had a fine game. 
Uh, first try scorer, Tariq Sims, he didn't get near the stripe. And my bold prediction was that Munster would score and also have a try assist. And uh, Queensland got a big old zip, so um, that did not happen <laughs> either. So less spoken about that, the better. Let's talk about what we learned from the week that was. Friendy, uh, what can you tell us about what you learned? I learned this week, Bo, that Brad Freddie Fittler, while he may have his knockers as a coach, I think he's a great leader of men. So the, the first two games this year, uh, obviously both in Queensland, not one player from New South Wales, coaching staff, anything even battered an eyelid, let alone mention it in the media, I don't think. So uh, there's also, within that team, there's a lot of individual superstars at each of their clubs. And it looks like to me, um, even Latrell Mitchell was quoted in saying that they all bought into what Freddie was trying to create, where you, you leave your egos at the door and they're trying to be part of something um, big overall. So I thought that was quite impressive um, for Freddie and he's, and he's a great leader of men, hence why he was a, a captain previously and, and now a coach. The Clive Lloyd effect from the West Indies days of the <laughs> 70s and 80s, like bringing together all those islands with all those star players and getting them all buying into the one idea. And that's why Clive Lloyd is the legend that he is. And maybe that's why Freddie Fittler is a legend he is. Miles, uh, you've been previously uh, critical of, of Freddie Fittler. Uh, have you learned something similar or have you learned something different this week? Well, uh, to, to make a, uh, another cross-sport reference, it does seem like uh, Freddie is trying to pioneer um, rugby league's version of total football that the, um, the Dutch soccer team in the 1970s pioneered and where it, it seemed like every player could play every other position and, and vice versa. So mm. um, it, it could spell an interesting um, run of series for the Blues or, or some of the, the Queensland talent that's coming through could stand up and even things out, which we'll probably get into a little bit later on. But... Um, I digress. Look, I, I, what I learned during the week is that Queensland uh, does still still does not forgive nor forget. Um, you knew that uh, Queensland's probably a little bit dirty when Daly Chair Evans was named captain of the Maroons, and I think somewhere even more dirty, to be honest, when uh, his captaincy initially pr- proved somewhat successful. But mm. uh, look, with this latest series loss, the, the bloodletting and the and the victory laps from some of the Queenslanders have begun, and um, uh, yeah, it's 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 really coming home to roost for Daly Jerry Evans. I quite like Daly as a as a bloke and as a player, but uh, I think I think there needs to be some changes uh, for Queensland, and I'm sure we will get into that soon. But uh, I'll be curious to see if we have any better suggestions for captain because there's not a lot there. Kieran, <laughs> what did what did you learn uh, from the Origin weekend? I learnt, uh, upon reflection, I think it's fair enough to say that the writing was on the wall for a Blue Series victory before a ball was kicked, mm. and the manner in which it came is no real surprise. Uh, yes, the Maroons were missing some key players, but throw Turbo and the Trell back into the fold, Teddy on the field for the full 80, and a team spearheaded by arguably the best in the game right now in Cleary, and it's a little easier to see how this series unfolded the way it did. And there had to be one in the in the front as well, and I think uh, their forward pack, which on paper is not that much better than Queensland's forward pack, uh, have certainly got that job done as well. So good call there. What I learned was, and this one probably will sound a bit more harsh than it actually is, but so stick with me. I learned that the women's game won't achieve true legitimacy until the media stops pandering to it. 
So, yes, it was a tough game, and these ladies are semi-professional at best, but it's clear to me the game was lost for New South Wales, not when the brave Hannah Southwell pulled the leg of Chelsea Leatherdoozy, but with poor fifth tackle options from Maddie Studden and generally poor handling. But no one wants to talk about that in the media. Queensland were lucky to get away with the win. Let's celebrate the women's game. Let's promote it, but let's not stoop to pandering to it as I feel like that just kind of patronizes the whole thing and won't do it any good. So that's what I learned. I I think we have to sort of, and we're sort of part of the media essentially uh, in an amateur way. uh, I feel like we have to be critical of the, of the women's game as much as we would the men. Otherwise, yeah. Otherwise we're not treating it equally, are we? So uh, that's, uh, again, I've sort of done a bit of a roundabout there because I feel like I was being a bit uh, mean to it, but believe me, it's not coming from that sort of place. Let's uh, let's save me with some wildcard awards. Miles, can you please (laughs) save me with a wildcard? I'll try. Um, (laughs) I think, um, again, my wildcard award comes unnamed, as it usually does, but, um, uh, you know, call it what you will. But who who said Latrell Mitchell wasn't the next Greg Inglis? Um, his his uh, game-winning performance in game two, um, in particular that bullocking, barrel-chested run for, for New South Wales' uh, second try, I think it was, maybe the third or, or second try, it, it acutely reminded me of, of G.I. at his best, um, as he always was in, in State of Origin, um, as does the sort of inconsistent brilliance that the, the two seem to show in in their respective times thus far as, as South Sydney fullback. So I, I wonder if... Um, Mitchell will be able to lead the Rapidos to a premiership also. It wouldn't be that crazy to me. And, and I do definitely see the similarities, even when you extend it to the fact that, as you said, the fullbacks are club level, they're centres, left centres even uh, for origin, but they both have a booming bomb on them as well. I remember Greg English scaring a few fullbacks back in the day uh, and can play, like play make a little bit. Uh, Greg English, of course, was a Clive Churchill medal winning uh, 5-8 in 2007 so uh, back to the year in that year as well you're dead right yes you're dead right Kieran what's your wildcard award this week mine waxes lyrical about the blues even more after what I learned this week it's the most satisfying PBL ball played since it was introduced award which goes to the New South Wales Blues their attack was electric and everyone was in sync combining together for some of the most brilliant footy I've seen in a long time and Queensland seemed clunky in comparison, didn't they? It was it was yeah. uh, the battle of a well-oiled machine versus a uh, barely <laughs> functioning machine, unfortunately. But the Blues did look really, really good. Freddie, what's your wildcard award? My wildcard award this week, Bo, this is where a little bit of gloating might actually come in. Um, the, the famous Queensland origin spirit must be in lockdown award. <laughs> I just, I, I do just love the fact that after years of us yeah, being told we don't understand origin, we don't know what goes into it, um, I think maybe, just maybe, that famous Queensland origin spirit may have something to do with the fact that there were five future immortals in your side rather than um, any magical forces at play. But yeah, that's my award for the week. I couldn't yeah, stand I think- those calls. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I, I couldn't either. And like, I think it was legitimate probably in the 80s when when Queensland yeah. were really stinging from all those interstate games over the years and and uh, and probably didn't have as great a side as New South Wales on paper. But uh, since then, I think you're dead right. Uh, mine, mine actually goes down a similar vein. Um, so mine is called the Penrith Panthers Award for... But, but it's not a legitimate victory. And it goes to the Queensland Maroons. Yes, the Tigers beat the Panthers a few weeks ago, but wasn't that called illegitimate by the Panthers fans? Well, 
on behalf of my state, I'm calling this men's series trouncing <laughs> illegitimate. Let's <laughs> let's read let's read some of the unavailable names for the Barones. Papali'i in game one, Reese Walsh, Ronaldo Mulatalo, Reed Marnie, Kalen Ponga, AJ Brimson in game two, Harry Grant in game two, Lindsay Collins, the recently retired Jake Friend, the recently retired Arthur Beetson, Wally Lewis, Jonathan Thurston, Darren Locker, Billy Slater, Petro Sivanasiva, Cameron Smith, and perhaps the greatest of all, Shane Tronk. Beat, beat Queensland with those players present, then perhaps I'll acknowledge it as legitimate. But uh, until then, you can have the Penrith Panthers award for, but but it's not a legitimate victory. Okay, let's go, let's go into some news. Uh, some legitimately unfortunate news, as it were, for Nathan Cleary, who uh, did seem to be fav- favoring his shoulder uh, during Origin 2. And it has been decided that his shoulder will require surgery. It's just a matter of when he has it. Now, at this stage, he's intending to be back in four to six weeks, postponing the shoulder surgery until postseason. I guess the question is, uh, do you think that Cleary having the next four to six weeks off and then possibly coming back a little bit busted will disrupt the Panthers' title title hopes, Uh, maybe enhance them by giving Cleary four to six weeks off, uh, or much of a muchness with Luai and Burton keeping the, the seat sufficiently warm? What do you reckon, Kieran? I think it's a much of a muchness. Um, just going by the way, I know the Panthers lost. They yeah, they lost their two games without Cleary and Luai. But uh, I just if Cleary can come back, he he fits back in seamlessly. There's uh, maybe he'll take a week or two at most to uh, get back to how he was, um, given that his performances this season have been so good. Um, but yeah, he'll he'll still hit the ground running, and I don't think it'll matter too much. If he was rubbed out for the season, um, I just look at the Panthers and and who would really take control of their attack uh, as he does. And I, I, I don't see them winning the comp. Um, I was trying to make a case, uh, given that the Cowboys in 2017 made it without Thurston, mm. uh, but then they got trounced in the grand final. Um, so, yeah, I, if Cleary comes back and it looks by all reports that he will, I think they'll be fine. But I'm, I'm a little concerned um, for him coming back. I've had my fair share of injuries. He's a little bit younger than me, I know, so his body's probably a little fresher. And uh, I don't know too much about... Uh, medical side of things but um, in a such a contact heavy sport his shoulder uh, I've dislocated my shoulder twice and still had pain for it um, 10 years later I'm a little worried about him um, playing the rest of the uh, the season even after taking six weeks off Um, but it'll be interesting he's obviously got medical team a medical team around him pretty much 24 7 so he's got a a lot more than what I had Um, but yeah, if if it comes to it, the Panthers need to do the safe thing and, and not play in this season. It sounds like you have a storm-level faith in the Panthers' system there that you take out probably their most... well, almost certainly their most important cog and the motor keeps running. Friendy, do you share a similar amount of faith or do you reckon this could be more disruptive? No, I do echo uh, Kieran's... Um, thoughts there um i basically yeah totally agree i think in the short term the effect will be minimal i still think they'll finish in the top four um if cleary can get back somewhere around that round 2022 region which is what they're saying uh i think that they they can certainly win the comp if he was to be rubbed out of for the season I, i can't see them winning the competition and it's sort of i'm interested to see though we did say the same thing about the Roosters when Kiri was out. They can't win the comp. If Cleary was to be rubbed out, 
everyone would say they can't win the comp. Who would Melbourne need to lose? Well, they've already got Pappenhausen out. Would they lose a Munster and then we'd say they can't win the comp? Does that then open the doors back for the Roosters, Souths, Eels? How does that all work? Because injuries, they could play a huge part in the back end of this year if some of the big names do go down. I guess, I guess, as I said, like I, I think with with the Storm, they're kind of like a special breed, aren't they? Like it would take probably mm. three or four of those major guys getting injured to yep. rule them out. But um, with the Panthers, I think it might just be the one. Although Miles, you might disagree with that. Well, look, I I, I don't think I've always said that the regular season is fairly unimportant, um, especially for the true contenders. So. I, I'd give Cleary all the time he needs to, to get his shoulder ready. Um, I'm not sure exactly what goes into that because um, I've just got no idea about that sort of thing. But, um, you know, if, if it takes till finals, then so be it. Um, you know, maybe you look at um, introducing him for the, I guess, the, what you'd call the four-point games when you're playing teams like, you know, just looking at their schedule now that I've just pulled up. Obviously, they've got the Eels this week. He's not going to make, make it for that one. But they've got the Storm later, the Roosters... Um, they got another game against the Eels and the, and the Rabbitohs, so you, maybe you'd want to consider him for some of those games. But like games against the Warriors, the Broncos have also got coming up, um, the Tigers. You, you, there's no need to, for him to play against those games anyway, even, even if he is fit. So I think you take the most cautious approach possible to the finals. And, and look, if you can have him back for for week one of the finals, that's obviously exactly what you want. But I wouldn't be in any rush to return him unless there's. Maybe unless there's something really on the line, like uh, you know seeding or something like that. But the final's going to be the grand final's going to be played in um, in uh, well, at this stage, who knows? But <laughs> ideally Sydney or Brisbane. So it's it's not like they're going to um, it's not like they're going to be able to secure a home grand final anyway. Well, that's true. Uh, my my thoughts on this are that I, I'm kind of with you, Moss. I would give him as long as he needs uh, for the pure fact that the replacement that they have in Matt Burton is probably a good enough replacement at least to uh, keep them in the top four, like one of Friendy or Kieran. State or of origin quality. Um, well, exactly, particularly Luai. And Burton probably wouldn't be that far away if he had a couple of years in the halves. So my major concern is uh, what's that going to do for his timing and things like that? So we, we noticed... Uh, that New South Wales had this brilliant timing where every pass was in front, everyone's running onto the ball, everyone's hitting holes, and it's working like clockwork. Take Cleary out of that environment for eight weeks, um, have other players used to playing with Burton on the right side or Luai on the right side instead of Cleary. Um, it, it could it could actually hinder them in the in the big games come the end of the season. Um, but, you know, give give him six weeks of rest into his legs, that could have a really positive benefit too. So I guess I don't really know. I think they're still absolutely a contender at this stage, uh, especially if he is fit. Uh, let's put it that way. <coughs> the next piece of news is that Golden Boot winner, former Golden Boot winner, of course, Sean Johnson, has signed for the Warriors for next year after a two-year deal, reportedly worth just under half a million dollars a season. Now, Sean Johnson was initially dumped by the Warriors or, well, not really offered a further contract by the Warriors when his asking price was about a million dollars a year. He's ended up at the Sharks for less than a million and back at the Warriors for even less than that again. So, a bit of a humbling experience for Mr. Johnson. But, Friendy, do you reckon this is good business for the Warriors at that sort of price, that sort of time frame for a player like Sean Johnson? 
yeah, love the signing for the Warriors. I, I think he's come back a obviously a cheaper player, which helps, especially in the in the spine. Um, he's also much more mature, almost in the way that Benji has sort of remodeled his game a little bit. Um, I still think he's obviously deadly with the ball, um, but I think that a spine or potential spine of say. Uh, Egan at hooker, Johnson, Harris, Tavita in the halves, and Walsh at fullback. You just put Nicarima at 14, and I think you've got a pretty handy, handy squad there with that forward pack. So yeah, I think it's a really good signing for them. That's probably the way that I would go as well. Miles, do you think this is good stuff for the Warriors? Yeah, for the Warriors, absolutely. Um, I, I don't have a whole lot more to add on to what friends said, but they, uh, what I would say is that they, they, uh, with this signing, they inject a, a vital leadership and, and sort of brilliance cog as well that they were set to, to lose with the departure of Roger Tovasashek at the end of the year. So, you know, Johnson will slide straight into that, that 1A role really on the field. Um, and I think it'll be a fantastic investment offered as well, particularly for the, the club's younger playmakers such as, as Walsh and, and Harris Tavita. Yeah, it'll be great for uh, Harris Tavita to learn from him definitely, uh, particularly being a half player and Reese Walsh has been talked about as a future 5-8th for Queensland but also for whichever club he plays for so yes you're dead right about that Kieran uh, I assume you probably agree but you might have a differing opinion here Uh, No I agree Uh, I think it's good business especially as we've all said for the amount and uh, I really like Nick Arima um, as 14 off the bench he was Really good there, I thought, for the Broncos in 2015. Uh, mm. Nearly broke the Cowboys. Uh, it did break the Cowboys' heart, sort of, in the uh, the first final, the first week of the finals um, in 2015 when he set up that try for Milford. And, yeah, he was pretty well known for uh, those sort of runs when he was coming off the bench. So I think it would be great to have Johnson starting and Nikarima off the bench. Good call. We all agree. So let's see if we agree on the next one, which is the reports that are coming out about Dale Finucane, who's going to be off contract with the Storm. Now, the Storm are desperate to keep him, of course. He's a very fine player. He's 29 years of age. He's seen as a bit of a leader, a bit of a winner, really, uh, the way he goes around just winning competitions or being runners-up or being in origin teams, etc., etc. Unfortunately, salary cap pressures might squeeze him out. Now, the Cowboys have made a formal two-year offer. I'm not sure of the exact amount. Uh, Suffice to say, it's probably more than what the Storm are willing to offer to keep him with salary cap pressure. The Knights and Tigers are also believed to be interested, and I don't think it will stop there. I think there'll be a number of teams clamoring for D- Dale Finucane, and they will probably all offer him more than what the Storm are able to. So, Kieran, I'm going to ask you to pretend that you're Dale Finucane. You're maybe a little bit younger than Dale is, but give, give or take a similar age. What would you do? I'd love him at the Cows, but I think he should stay at the Storm. Um, Bellamy has said, I was just reading on NRL.com today, he said, I've never seen anyone that sets a better standard on and off the field than Dale. And Bellamy's obviously coached the likes of Cameron Smith, Cooper Cronk, and Billy Slater. So I think when you read something like that, you know the guy is uh, quality. So that's why I said uh, I would love him at the Cowboys. But just because uh, if he does want to keep on winning, um, which... Obviously, I don't have a family, so it's a little bit harder for me. If, if I have to put myself in his shoes, I'd probably take the money. Um, he's won plenty. Uh, he could go up to the Cowboys, possibly um, have the satisfaction of maybe not winning a competition, but uh, helping them get on the right path to, to going towards one. Um, but, yeah, uh, yeah, I'll say I'll say one of the Cowboys, Tigers, or, or Knights, but 
Um, if, if it was personally me, uh, uh, like no family, I would choose the storm to stay there. And I think he, he wants to stay there. He seems like a beach kind of guy to me, friendly, friendly, the kind of guy that would love to take his acoustic guitar down to the beach at Newcastle <laughs> or at Townsville and, and, and play some songs for the, for the local good looking ladies. So do you think Newcastle or, or North Queensland could be a better fit for Dale? If you were him, would you, would you be lured by that prospect? Oh, Mary, Mary, the beach, get there, Dale. <laughs> right, right near Newcastle. It's fantastic. You can, yeah, come join the Red and Blues. No, in all seriousness, I do agree with uh, what Kieran was saying. He does have... I don't actually think it's about footy anymore. He's nearly 30 years of age. Um, he's had a few injuries, so I don't think his career will go for that much longer. I think this may be his last sort of contract. Um, so he does have a wife and a young child to think about. So wherever they're looking to set up after he finishes playing... Um, out of the options he has, I would have thought that's where he'll go rather than based on the on-field or, or club he's playing for. All right, so a couple of people suggesting take the money. Miles, would you take some money elsewhere or would you uh, would you chase further glory with the Storm? Um, well, <laughs> he can do whatever he wants, really. But, um, look, if I, was, um, if I was a team looking at this, uh, I would, I'd, maybe, I'd maybe pass on it because... If he, if he thinks he stands to make more than um, what he can get with the Storm, then that's 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 probably going to be a little bit of money. Um, I'm sure the Storm aren't offering him a pittance. So um, I, I, I don't know. As as we sort of brought up before, he's he's you know pushing the back nine of his career. He's is injury prone. Um, he may also be in the frame for for State of Origin in the next few years, which also may, might make him unavailable a little bit during the season. Um, he, he he just seems one of those guys that would. I don't know. Maybe there's a little bit more trouble than he's worth in terms of uh, needing to be managed with his body, his age, stuff like that. So I'd, I'd probably pass on this one unless I was, I don't know, maybe a team like the, the Rabbitohs of the Storm. Uh, cl- uh, sorry, Rabbitohs of the, Rabbitohs of the Roosters, uh, closer to the top of the table that are looking to sort of um, maybe for one extra uh, A-level forward to get them over the line. Maybe, maybe that does make the Knights a good option, but I would certainly uh, buy a beware uh, based on the price. And it would all depend on price, obviously. Salary caps are so important in the modern age and obviously the management of it. For the Cowboys, they've got Jason Tamalolo there. So I suppose Delphi Nukin would play in the front row if he was going to be deployed there. Um, the Knights would almost certainly use him as a lock, uh, as would the Tigers and as would the Storm as they can. So uh, it, my advice to Dale would actually be to stay. I, I think... I think uh, I, I'm probably not really the most capitalist of the of the bunch of us here. I'm I'm probably a bit more like let's let's try and create some memories that you're always going to be proud of. And if he can win a couple more comps, be really competitive, be really enjoying his football for the remaining years of his career, um, I would actually be going down that road. Although it is hard to turn down an extra two hundred thousand dollars a year, so uh, it's. It's easy for me to say from my chair here, but uh, I kind of hope that he stays at the Storm because uh, think of his legacy after his retirement, but that's that's just me on that one. Let's do a bit of a... I've been fearing this. Let's do a bit of a post-mortem on the <laughs> State of Origin weekend, but I'm going to ease myself into it. Let's go ladies first. Uh, so we've got the Queensland women who had an 8-6 to six victory against New South Wales, which of course makes it two state of origin wins in a row for the Queenslanders uh, after last year's 24 to 18 victory. 
uh, and obviously it was much closer this this time around. A bit of wet weather at the Sunshine Coast meant that it was it was difficult for the ladies to spread the ball and 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 have a lot of attacking play. Um, but I guess the question I have is that it was six all right to the end, like with one minute left, and then there was a penalty. Uh, Chelsea Leonard Doozy was uh, taking a hit up right in front of the sticks. Uh, she was getting up to play the ball with and her right leg off the ground to play the ball. And Hannah Southwell, the New South Wales lock, pulled at the left leg with no legs on the ground. Lenarduzzi fell over. It disrupted the play of the ball. It was a penalty. Uh, Friendy, do you think it was a fair penalty and a fair way to finish such a close game? It's certainly not ideal, a way to finish the game. But I, I, I think, I mean, if she is... Yeah, pulling it there, which there were some replays that seemed to show she was. There were some that showed that she wasn't. So if it happens in the 20th minute, I, I, I think it's just a penalty and we get on with the game and no one bats an eyelid. So in that respect, I guess, yeah, fair penalty and, and credit to Queensland for getting the win. Miles, uh, you're a New South Wales fan as well. Were you... Were you... Were you uh had st- had steam coming out of your ears at that, that <laughs> result or, or was it uh, fair play? No, it was fair play, absolutely. And it should also be, you know, I completely agree with Friend, but it should also be added that they were right on top of New South Wales' line. And, um, you know, if, if there wasn't a try coming, there was there was probably um, a field goal coming as well. So it was it was really shaping up for a Queensland win either way, but it, it turned out that it was a penalty that did it. Kieran, as a Queenslander, are you happy with uh, getting the result, even in uh, somewhat suspicious uh- circumstances? Uh, yeah, for sure. Uh, I would have loved the men to have got it as well, but it was great seeing the women get up. Um, I thought it was a penalty as well, and uh, as Miles said, Queensland were right on top. Um, our scramble defence did save us a few times, but uh, we were still, uh, I thought, coming back after the New South Wales Blues dominated the second half, I thought we were really coming on strong. Okay, I'm just going to stop this. I'll stop us here. Okay, uh, it wasn't just me. <laughs> yeah. So uh, that was Kieran. You were coming through like really, really like robotic and disjointed there. Um, uh, did you? Is there like an internet issue or no. something where you are? Uh, it says it's um, full bars, but you yeah, sound much I'm better sure. now. You sound okay. much better now. So uh, let's um, let's try that again if that's okay. Um, yeah. So. Kieran, you're a Queensland fan. It probably can be a slightly disappointing way to to get the victory with a penalty, but are, are you happy to take whatever we can get? Yeah, for sure. Um, it was obviously not the best way to end the game. Uh, it was a close match, as we've all said, so you would have liked to have seen a, at least a, a decent try that settles it. Um, but yeah, I thought it was a penalty, and I thought the way that Queensland scrambled late on in the game and then came back uh, and sort of had the momentum, I thought they probably deserved to win. Also, with a disallowed try to uh, to our favourite Kieran Tamika Upton, yeah. uh, I think it was a fair enough disallowed try. It, w- it wasn't common sense usage from the bunker. It was it was a black and white ruling, but according to the rules, it's an obstruction. So fair play, as far as I'm concerned, as well. Only one game in the series, so we can't really call it a series. Uh, Miles, would you be happy to see a three game series for the ladies? Yeah, of course. Absolutely. Um, I think, you know, as we've sort of touched on earlier, if we want to um, really onboard the, the, the women's competition as a, 
something to really be revered and respected, then why not? And and to, uh, to add to that, they should also play eighty minutes a game. I, I don't think you'd I don't think you'd um, hear any of the women complaining about that. Yeah, uh, five minutes less each half, making a seventy-minute game uh, seems a little bit strange to me. Friendy, do you agree uh, that we should just try and make it as similar to the men's game as possible? Most definitely. If there's the demand uh, for the game, which there seems to be, I think it, it rates pretty well. And and I was actually at yeah, the local pub on the night, and everyone was glued to the screen. So I can't see why three games would hurt. Um, yeah, it makes sense to me. Especially at the moment, Kieran, where where both teams are, are so well matched, so we're often getting quite good close games. Uh, would you also like to see three games? Yeah, for sure. I mean, I, I had mates that told me that they they wouldn't be watching on Friday night, and then uh, I was messaging them, some of them, uh, what they were up to, and they all said that they were watching the game. So I, I think a, a lot of people would like to see a three-game series, and I would even attend some of it myself. I too would like to have a three-game series. I think the only way we can expect the players to have that much time away from the game, because let's remember that they are semi-professional at best, uh, is that the NRL would have to make a considerable financial investment, uh, possibly operating at a loss for a while until the sport builds enough traction, gets enough sponsorships, enough TV going on for it to be self-sufficient. So I think it's I think it's time that the NRL... Uh, ups their game a little bit, makes it more worth the ladies' while financially uh, so that they can take that time off work to really uh, enhance their professionalism, which, of course, will make a better product. I think it'll sort of snowball from there. Uh, It just comes from investment from the NRL. And if they can do that, three games would be amazing. Uh, Speaking of three games, I'm not sure we need three games of the men's uh, (laughs) origin series. I'm, I'm with Fatty Vorton. May as well not play another one. Uh, Miles, you'd be coming off the back fence for this one. Uh, <laughs> how does it how does it feel to right the wrongs of of last year? Well, it feels great. I mean, I I <laughs> I don't have a whole lot to add. It it feels great. I I feel like everything that's been said has been said. Um, what I've have noticed is uh, there seems to have been a little bit of avoiding of the fact that uh, Queensland had a a lot of their best players out. So, um, but you know what you. You, there's three games a year, and you've you've got to have your best players healthy. And there's you know, you can whinge about it all you want, but um, unfortunately, Queensland didn't have them this year. But yeah, I don't think it's I don't think we're necessarily going to roll on through now to three or four straight victories or whatever. Because you know, as I've said, Ponga's that you get to come back. Uh, Harry Grant, uh, Sam Walker will be in the fold shortly. Uh, these are these these are, are not. Um, <laughs> they're not uh, nobodies, or you know, they're not like oh we. We're going to play with Corey Norman or Ben Hunt. Or these are, you know, serious, uh, serious talents. So, yeah, it'd be it'd be interesting. Friendy, uh, obviously, you're glowing as well. Uh, hopefully, you can get to Origin three with Blashy's Blues, uh, depending on how the lockdown situation goes in New South Wales. And I hope hope that is going well for you guys. But uh, if you are able to be there and New South Wales are able to turn it into 3-0, do we think it could be the beginning of the Blues' brightest origin period of dominance? Uh, yeah, I think I think that may have already begun, to be honest. We've won three of the last four series. Um, I know it's not in a row as, as Queensland uh, did have that eight-year run, but I think from sort of when Brad Fittler took over, I think the 
the players you basically just at the moment we've got the best players previously Queensland had the best players and at the end of the day it seems that that's what it comes down to so yeah I, I guess about four years ago I would have said it started and it should continue for a little while as all these players seem to be in their their early to mid 20s so it's pretty exciting times um, I am looking forward to going if I can but looking a bit unlikely at this stage so see how we go that is unfortunate. But look, I, I, I'm with you on that. I think it started in 2018 and like a lot of people will say, oh, eight in a row, eight in a row. As far as I'm concerned, it was 10 out of 11 because we lost to 2014 and then we, then we won another couple after that. So uh, I, would suggest, I would suggest that it's absolutely uh, a 10 out of 11 situation and three out of four so far for New South Wales, which may well end up being something like 10 out of 11. Uh, but we'll have to wait and see on that. Uh, Kieran, as as Friendy just mentioned, quite simply, New South Wales have the better players at the moment. Do you think Paul Green can be held responsible for the uh, the losses, or at least even the magnitude of the losses? Uh, he came into a very difficult series, as illustrated earlier. But as you say, um, the magnitude of the losses, I think. I think that can be attributed to him a little bit. He didn't handle the pressure well. Um, Queensland, we whilst we had our opportunities against the Blues, particularly in Game Two, our attack still looked inept, um, and some of the game or some of the blame, sorry, must fall on the coach. Uh, I mean, we have guys like Munster who, this is his arena, this is where he works his magic, uh, and we didn't see any of it at all this series. And I, I think a little bit of that um, comes down to Green. Our attack just looks so disjointed and. Um, yeah, we looked clueless. Uh, nobody was on the same page as Munster said at halftime. So I think a little bit of uh, um, blame can fall on Green. But I did say before the series that uh, I wouldn't judge Green too harshly on the series, given the fact that Turbo and the Trail were coming back in. Uh, New South Wales had their absolute best on the field, and we didn't. Yeah, I'm, I'm with you. There's, they look likely to extend his offer by another year. They had a, a sort of a, an option in, in their favor, the QRL. So I would ex- I would expect they will extend him to next year. But if we don't see some sort of improvement, um, then I, I think his days are numbered. Miles, you're a bit of a, a left field fella. Um, Queensland, uh, New South Wales obviously don't need to change much as it is. They seem, everything seems to be going pretty well for them. For Queensland and coming into Origin 3, are you thinking pick and stick here, Miles? Or are you thinking a little bit more outside the box? If I, if I know you the way I know you, I reckon you're <laughs> a little bit, little bit outside the box. Well, I, I, think, um, I think you're right in a way. Um, I, I am thinking outside the box, but that's that's because everyone else seems to want to see the the young guys come in, and I, I look, I, I certainly would. I'd be certainly interested to see that, but I, I think you just go ahead and let this team um, push on through. Um, yes, it's been a, a really tough series for them, but it, you know, if anything, it's it's character building. You know, some of these young guys, um, Tino Fasilamoyawi, um, uh, Christian Welch is probably a little bit older, but still um, inexperienced. Um, Hopefully we'll see some of the other young guys as well, like Ponga and, and Grant back for the next game. I reckon you just let them push through it, work it out themselves and, and grow as a team from that. So, yeah, I, I wouldn't go completely flipping the script or or even selecting guys you don't think are likely to play in a future series because I, I don't think that... Uh, I think it's that, that makes it a wasted series. Pick it a sick, then it is for you. Uh 
Friendy, do you think that would be a sensible option for Queensland just to just to acknowledge that this this year is is done and uh, and and push through what we have, or would you be making some changes? Isn't that what they always do? Pick and stick. That's what I've always heard. <laughs> so um, I mean, it's their mess that let them clean it up. Um, so no, yeah. I, to be honest, I, I think honestly, if you you bring Ponga and Harry Grant back into that side, that's basically their full strength side. Um, I think maybe you could. If, if potentially there was some centres out there that you could find or or manufacture something, I'm not sure. Um, that way you could get Gagai and Holmes on the wings. But, um, yeah, I, I think they're almost, without Ponga and Grant, um, they're, they're at full strength, basically. I, I can't see who else to bring in. I mean, Sam Walker, top young player, but there's two sides to rugby league it's not just attack so i think he'd be an absolute spot in defense um reese walsh top young player as well i'd probably have no no qualms in him getting picked um bit of a different role so um but apart from that yeah i think these guys have got to got to get the job done if they can I tend to agree with that largely uh, unfortunately i read today that harry grant will be out till projected uh, around 18 or 19, so probably out for game three, which means they'll, they'll probably stick with McCulloch, Hunt, or maybe just give Hunt 80 minutes, uh, which is maybe what I would do, um, and just try and go with someone else on the bench. Kieran, would you make some changes? Absolutely. I, I would get rid of McCulloch uh, and give Hunt the 80 that you were just talking about. I think Hunt deserves it after his performance on Sunday. He looks like one of the few really, really willing to rip in. And then on the bench, I would go AJ Brimson. And uh, I, I wouldn't make too many changes, but I, I would drop for Fida. I thought he looked completely disinterested this series. Um, at least for game three, I would tell him, no, you're not getting the chance for any redemption if we do win and, and avoid the, the whitewash. I don't think he actually deserves to be a part of that. Uh, a win um, on the back of his first two games and I would put in Tom Flegler. It sounds like David Fafita has punched your mother or something. What's what's, what's, <laughs> what, like, like what's going on? What's going oh, on with man. you and Fafita? She'd be uh, in some pain. <laughs> she would. She would. That's what I was kind of hoping he would uh, give to the Blues, a bit of pain, a bit of punch, but uh, he liked anything, uh, anything. Uh, every run, every time he got the ball, um, I'd, I'd see Papali charging at the, the front rowers uh, of the Blues, and then Fafito would uh, grab the ball, and you'd see him walk into the line just about. It was it was incredibly frustrating for an origin, origin game um, to see that kind of uh, uh, attitude. It's something that I actually agree with. I, I probably wouldn't go as far as dropping him for game three, but I found it laughable when there was a bunch of people like from Fox Sports or from NRL.com experts saying that Fafita might make the Australian team. And I'm just like, how the hell is he making the team uh, out of like, you know, maybe two or three Queenslanders tops would make the Australian team at the moment. He's not one of them. Uh, but it's frustrating because he has everything it takes to be a great of, of the game. And he kind of reminds me of Dave Taylor in that way. Uh, Dave Taylor was an absolute weapon and was picked for that, but he very, very rarely um, produced what you expected. Um, and when you have guys like Fodueka or Francis Molo who are less talented, but really, really rolling their sleeves up and trying to turn the momentum uh, like I saw in the second half from those two particularly, uh, it is frustrating watching a specimen like Fafita go that way. 
I wouldn't have Brimson on the bench. I feel like that didn't work particularly well in the first game. I would, I would, I would throw caution to the wind. And a lot of people have been saying like, pick him, just pick him, just pick him, <laughs> throw him in there, throw him in there. And I'm like, where? You know, Ponga's your fullback. If Brimson was fit, uh, he should have been fullback in game one instead of Holmes, in my opinion. Uh, but if Ponga's there, he's fullback. Brimson does not take Munster's spot. He does not take Sherry Evans' spot. He's not a dummy half and he's not a lock. He's also not a center, but is it worth just fucking trying it? Like at this <laughs> point, like it, it, it's at that point, because he's a class player. We know he's a class player. Uh, would he be able to contain Mitchell and Trebojevic? Oh, maybe not, but who can? Uh, like that's, Moses that's Mbai. <laughs> <laughs> and look, Moses is probably an option. <laughs> like, it's getting to that point. Like He has played center for uh, for the Tigers and for the Maroons before, but uh, maybe Mbai would be on the bench. Maybe he's a truer utility. Um, and yeah, Brimson... Brimson in the centers. I don't know. It's a bit crazy. It sounds a bit left field. It sounds a bit Miles Stedman. But, <laughs> but frankly, we don't have the cattle and uh, we can't expect whoever lines up against Mitchell and Travoyevich to, to make miracles happen. But we, you know, maybe Brimson in attack from the centers could be could be something really, really interesting. Uh, Kieran, you would hate this take. A friend of mine was texting me today and he's like, here's what I reckon. You put Hamaso on the wing. And you put David for feeder in the centers where Cape, oh. Cape Will is. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm just like, oh, look, respectfully, Jack, I probably disagree with that one. Um, uh, I don't think for feeders quicker or anything like that than, uh, than Cape Well. Uh, so, no, that's a no from me, dog. Um, I, I, but I, I tend to agree with the uh, consensus is that not a lot of change needs to happen. Uh, obviously, it needs to happen, but we can't do much with the amount of cattle that we have. Let's just stick with what we have. Let's not throw the young kids to the wolves. Um, and let's give Paul Green a full off-season to strategize, come up with a plan, and let's see what he has. And, and if he can't turn it around next year, then... Bye bye greenie, like the Cowboys did. Uh, bye bye greenie, bye bye greenie. That's uh, and bye bye for the first half from us. Stick around though, because at halftime we have an ad from my other podcast, Pretty Fly, a '90s nostalgia podcast, and then we're going to talk about the biggest shock upsets because, of course, New South Wales winning game two was a shock upset. So we're going to talk about the biggest surprises or shock results from NRL final series or Origin. Back soon. If you can't get enough of Seinfeld, overalls with one of the straps undone, the Chicago Bulls winning championships, and the Brisbane Broncos being a good team, then it's a pretty good bet you love the 90s. If you do, you should tune in to Pretty Fly, a 90s nostalgia podcast, which is brought to you by the We Made This Podcast Network. It's hosted by me, Bo Nicholson, and the founder of the Pioneer Australia, Daniel Lang. It's a conversation podcast where we discuss the pop culture icons of our favorite decade. Season one is ready to listen to right now, with season two arriving soon. Search for Pretty Fly, a 90s nostalgia podcast, wherever you listen to your podcasts. Welcome to the Halftime Entertainment. After the Blues have wrapped up the series, we wanted to talk about... Maybe some of the biggest surprises or shock results in State of Origin. Everyone will remember last year's uh, Queensland win as a shock result. Uh, so if you have any 
state of origin memories or any NRL final series memories of big shock results, I want to hear it. And I'll start with you, Miles. What's your memory of the biggest surprise or shock result from a big game? Well, one of my favourites was when the, the Warriors were the uh, the first eighth seed to, to beat a one seed. Um, the, they, they beat the Storm in, in 2008. Um, and, of course, that mm-hmm. was uh, on the road too at Old Olympic Park. Um, that always stood out to me. Um, and I think all great uh, upsets and, and big games have one of those cornerstone moments. And obviously that game is when Michael Witt finished off that um, that full, full, full length of the field try for the Warriors. And he, of course, refused to ground the ball until he'd like spun 180 and, and given the defence <laughs> every chance to tackle him. So it was, it was a bit weird, but um, it, was, yeah, it was glorious. I love it. He was celebrating before the ball was placed, wasn't he? Exactly. Like was, exactly. Was, yeah, breaking the cardinal rule. Yeah, a bit of bit of Jerome Luai and Michael Witt with about half the talent. Um, <laughs> Friendy, what's what's your uh, what's your memory of a of a surprise or shock result? Well, you wouldn't believe it. Lightning does strike twice. Miles and I have got the same game <laughs> um, in two thousand and eight. Yeah, that's that's the game. Melbourne defending premiers, minor premiers. Um, and finishing first, and obviously, as Miles said, the eighth-place Warriors, um, yeah, snuck home with a, a win at the end. It was 18-15, which is a bit of an odd score. But just to put it into perspective how like far apart these two sides were, so the Storm, their for and against for the season was plus 302. The Warriors was minus 65. Uh, <laughs> Melbourne had a spine of Slater, Inglis, Cronk, and Smith, and the Warriors had Lance O'Hire, Michael Witt, Nathan Fien, and Ian Henderson. <laughs> so, yeah, I totally agree with Miles. It was an incredible shock result um, and, and a big win to the Warriors. Probably, I'd argue, one of the biggest in their history. The, the incredible thing is uh, trying to pick who the best player of the Storm Spine is. Like, it's just about impossible, really. I think yeah. it comes down to Slater or Smith, but it's like, come on, like, that's just impossible. Uh, for the Warriors, it's like Lance Hohaya, maybe? <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. like, Nathan, Nathan Fien was a pretty good dummy half. He wasn't much of a halfback, though. Uh, I Ian, think Henderson. Ian Henderson, yeah, I, I think he's the local bartender at my pub, I'm pretty sure. <laughs> Um, you should go have a yarn to him about 2008. Yeah, no, it's not really him. I was just sort of measuring his uh, <laughs> greatness compared to the other guys. <laughs> oh, I was excited for a bit there because, like, you know, the great Shane Webby, he went, he went and uh, owned a bar for a while and he was a publican. So, I don't know. I thought that might have been a thing, but okay, never mind. Ian Henderson, big, wherever you big are, shout friend out to of the Ian show. <laughs> yeah, big shout out to Ian Henderson. We're just ta- ripping you to shreds, buddy, uh, saying you're a worse player than Michael Witt. Um, okay, <laughs> Kieran, did, does lightning strike three times? Or do you have something different? It, it very nearly did, but I, I went a little less, uh, a little different. I went with the Cowboys game. Um, no Jonathan Thurston, the four-time Delian medalist. No Matt Scott, the Cowboys. Two captains gone. And our season looked on tenterhooks until an incredible run, including meeting the Red Hot Roosters in the prelim at Allianz, where we had a dreadful record. Uh, Michael Morgan, cue the scenes for Michael Morgan to produce arguably the most complete performance of his career, marshalling his troops to an unlikely third GF berth for the Cowboys, where the Broncos couldn't play their part for a rematch from two years ago. I still remember Morgan being asked after the game if he believes they were going to the big dance again. His response, a candid, to be honest with you, no, I can't. It's unbelievable. 
it is pretty close to unbelievable. My memory of that game was being really frustrated with Justin O'Neill, uh, who was playing, I think, on the left wing or left center. And uh, he had the ball stolen from him during a regulation hit up for a try for the Roosters or dropped or something really innocuous. Uh, but the very next set, he forced, a, forced an error from the Roosters by absolutely bashing one of their players and getting a turnover, <laughs> which the Cowboys scored from later. I also remember Scott Bolton scoring an individual try where people just didn't yeah. want to tackle him. Uh, yeah. And that was that was pretty cool as a Cowboys fan. Trust you to go for the Cowboys. My goodness. <laughs> uh, we're going to have a, po- a Cowboys podcast one day, you and me. Uh, I've gone well back into the archives. I've gone in with an NRL game. Uh, or rather an ARL game, actually. It's a grand final in 1995. I remember it well, unfortunately. Uh, the Seagulls had a ridiculous winning streak earlier in the season. I think it was like 15 games in a row. And we're clearly the better team with names like Matthew Ridge, Terry Hill, John Hopawate, Cliff Lyons, Jeff Tooby, Des Hasler, David Gillespie, Mark Carroll, Steve Menzies, Ian Roberts, Nick Kosseff. The Doggies, who came sixth that year before making their way to the grand final, also had some great players like Steve Price, Dean Pay, Jim Dimmick, Jason Smith on the bench, and the retiring Terry Lamb, who subsequently unretired himself to lead the Bulldogs to a much worse campaign in 1996. But it was Dogs of War stuff from the Belmore boys, leading 6-4 at halftime before going on to win 17-4. And seven-year-old me was devastated. <laughs> I was I was a Cowboys fan, but I also liked the Seagulls because my dad used to coach Danny Moore in his Townsville days. Uh, and it was a day of my little brother's christening, so I can remember it really well. We went, we went to the church in the in the morning, Catholic church. Um, uh, I'm not much into that sort of stuff anymore, but I was there with my little suit on and everything. And he had the christening, and then we came back and said, so everyone's at our house to watch this game. I put up Maroon streamers everywhere because I was a little uh, Manly fan. Uh, I put up like a handmade poster, like one of those like uh, project cardboard type things with like, you know, the team lists and all the stats that I could think of. I'm seven years old, just ridiculous stuff. <laughs> Uh, but everything went the Bulldogs way that day. Even the cake for the christening was blue and white, uh, as were our poos for the next 24 hours, just quietly. Uh, <laughs> so so, so uh, that is my memory of a huge upset, the Bulldogs winning the 1995 ARL Grand Final. Uh, after I've left you with a little bit of knowledge about poo, let's have a short little break, and we'll be back with the second <laughs> half where we analyse the upcoming fixtures of this weekend's round. Welcome back to Above the Horizontal. We're going to head straight into our predictions for round 16. We're going to start off at McDonald Jones Stadium, keeping in mind that there are a whole bunch of COVID-related uh, changes to this to this round and probably the next couple of rounds because about 12 million people are in lockdown around our country at the moment. So that will obviously affect the NRL as well. The Roosters versus the Storm on Thursday night, 7.50 p.m. from McDonald Jones Stadium in Newcastle. Miles. Yeah, obviously there are a ton of ins for this game, as there is all weekend. Um, Sam Walker back for the Roosters. Um, and then uh, the Storm get back all their State of Origin stars. Um, go, uh, oh, actually, no. Uh, Christian Welsh Kafusi may be arrested, apparently, uh, according to um, according to Craig Bellamy, although they are named. Um, so it would be an interesting battle. But look, you, you know what? I think that the, the Storm are generally whoever they're playing with, they're, they're experts at backing up from State of Origin. Obviously, they've been doing it for 
uh, 15, 20 years now without their stars, and they have an excellent record against the Roosters. So, look at it at a neutral venue. Um, look, I give I give Ace a little bit of chance to win this one, but I, I still think that the Storm will muscle their way through. Yeah, I tend to agree. I, I, I've just uh, there's something about. Uh, Cameron Munster has been very disappointing this year and I'm just waiting for the time where he just clicks and goes into that fuck you I'm winning this game mode that he can occasionally <laughs> um, and this is one of those sort of you know he'll be burning after the origin losses and and uh, this is a big enough game that he might switch on so I'm, I'm just waiting it's kind of like that uh, that dude in the Simpsons where he's just standing at the front of the Simpsons house and Homer's just like I'm waiting for him to do something I don't want to miss it you know uh, <laughs> a little guy in the white suit yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah he's like I know he's going to do something Cameron Cameron Munster's a bit like that for me at the moment I, I don't want to take my eyes off him uh, so I'm going to go with the Storm Kieran who you got yeah I've got the Storm and Friendy Yep, Melbourne for me. I think the Roosters are just leaking too many points at the moment. It'll be close for about the first 60 or so minutes, and, and Melbourne will sneak home. I think that's a good call. Uh, this one technically is a home game actually being played in the place it's meant to be played, Kieran. It's the Warriors versus the Dragons mm-hmm. on Friday at 6 p.m. from Central Coast Stadium. Yeah, so mid-season recruits, Jalen Wateni Zelezniak and Chad Townsend come into the uh, side um, Townsend slots straight in at halfback and Wateni Zelezniak goes on to the wing with Reese Walsh out um, because of that injury on the captain's run for Queensland. So RTS goes back to his um, favourite position at fullback, which I quite like because uh, he's just a almost a 10 out of 10 every game he plays there um, and you hardly notice him on the wing uh, the last few weeks. So that's a, a good move for the Warriors, uh, albeit not how they would have wanted it to come about. Um, and then the Dragons welcome back Ben Hunt um, from Origin, who, as I said before, I thought he played brilliantly. I, I think he'll bring that form into this game. And Tarek Sims and Andrew McCulloch uh, have also been named um, to play. Uh, I am leaning towards the Warriors, but uh, not with all the confidence. Yeah, I'm probably going to go with the Dragons on this one. I think Ben Hunt's going to bring that form that you're talking about. He seemed like a confident player, like he was a leader of Queensland mm. and, and it, was, it was about time because he's been there for a while now and he's old enough um, but it was like yeah when he took the field he sort of took over a lot of the uh, that middle gameplay as a, as a lock or a dummy half and uh, he's had a good season at number 7 for the Dragons uh, he, he was obviously leading that, that talk at the end in the huddle for Queensland after losing that game uh, there's something about Benny Hunt so I'm going to go with him worth mentioning also that COVID restrictions have ruled out you and Aitken and Josh Curran, who were on a flight from the Gold Coast to Sydney in which a crew member uh, tested positive to COVID-19. So unfortunate for them, they sort of got caught in the crosshairs there, and it's unfortunate for the Warriors. They're both pretty good players. So uh, I'll go the Dragons. Uh, Friendy, who you got? Um, I'm going to go with the Warriors, Bo. Uh, in front of no crowd, this will be. So it's at Gosford, but we're all in lockdown at the moment. So that would be a bit of a weird feeling for the players again. Uh, Fanua Blake back, Wade Egan back. And I just like the look of the Warriors bench compared to St. George's. So I'll be tipping the Warriors. Well, the last time the Warriors played against the Dragons at Gosford in front of no crowd was 18-0, I think. It may not have been at Gosford, but it was 18-0 in front of no crowd uh, for the Warriors. So uh, maybe that's on again. Miles, what do you think? Yeah, I, n- I never tip the Warriors with any sort of confidence, um, but I, I am—I I like the look of them a little bit better than the Dragons as well. Speaking of in front of no crowd and also with no confidence, the next game is between the Panthers and the Eels. I, I, 
don't, I, I'm excited about this one, but I don't know who to tip. It will be played at Blue Bet Stadium in Penrith, as we've mentioned, with no crowd. Uh, there's a couple of key outs for the Panthers. Obviously, Nathan Cleary is injured, but also Dylan Edwards is also out. So Charlie Staines gets his go at fullback, while Matt Burton joins Jerome Luai in the halves. Tyrone May moves to the centers to replace Matt Burton. Mike Acevo returns for the Eels, bumping two-try debutante Sean Russell to the reserves. Thanks for coming, champ. Um, <laughs> I, th- I think there'll be an adjustment period without Cleary and Edwards for the Panthers. Uh, I don't expect them to be that far off the pace, but I expect some of their attacking structures to take a hit. So I'm going to go with the Eels on this one. Miles, who do you like here? Well, I'm glad you said that because I, I actually was thinking about tipping the Eels and not even because Nathan Cleary is out, but just because I, I think the Eels are uh, really stepping up of late. But alas, I'm still tipping the Panthers. Uh, they're, they're, still, um, they're still weekly locks for me, um, pretty much like the Storm, and, and they will be until they prove otherwise. Yeah, I, I've, I'm sort of tipping similar ways with the other end of the spectrum with the Bulldogs and Broncos. I can't tip them until they, <laughs> until they start playing well. So I can understand that rationale. Kieran, who have you got for this one? Yeah, look, if it was just Nathan Cleary out, I, I would have gone the Panthers, but I, I don't really like Staines at fullback. I think I'm pretty sure he's played there before and, and not too well. Um, they've tried Stephen Crichton there and I thought he was great back there. So I'm not sure what's maybe just the, um, the, the names available has forced that. Um, so I'm going the Eels. Alrighty, and Freddy, uh, we've got three one for the Eels or two all. It'll be two all. I'll be tipping Penrith at home. Uh, I just think their defensive structures are too uh, good at the moment. I think the Eels still travel very sideways through Moses um, in particular, and I think Penrith will be able to combat that, and and they'll be they'll be too good on the night. Obviously, you'd be thrilled at the idea that Mitchell Moses is being uh, put forward as a replacement <laughs> for Nathan Cleary for New South Wales. Not at all. <laughs> How about you, Miles? While I've got you there, are you an advocate for Mitchell Moses for the number seven jersey? No, I'm an advocate for uh, Jerome Luai for the number seven jersey and somebody else for the number six jersey. Okay, interesting. Namely, uh, the- namely Cody Walker. Oh, yeah, I'll put my chips in the table. Yeah, I like Cody Walker too. Uh, I, I'm with you, Friendy. I think he does go a bit sideways. I think he gives early ball, like too early, um, yep. and doesn't doesn't engage the defensive line quite enough, uh, which puts pressure on his outside players. So, uh, but you know, I'm still tipping them. So whatever. Um, Freddie, <laughs> you have, you have the next game, which is at Bankwest Stadium of all places, uh, between the Bulldogs and the Sea Eagles. I assume that will be with no crowd to see Tom Trebojevic score seven tries. <laughs> yeah, it'll be like an under-12s game, I would have thought, if Tom plays. So just give it to the big kid, and he'll do the rest. Uh, Canterbury missing a few players, um, namely the ever-clever ever, ever clever Dylan Napa through COVID um, <laughs> restriction duties. Um, so, yeah, I would have thought mainly in, yeah, in a canter. I would have thought so as well. Uh, missing a bunch of players, as you mentioned, it was Napa, Wakem, uh, Shoop, uh, Waddell, Katoa, like, there's two debutants, uh, Biondi Odo and Patolo, uh, who come into the 17. Kyle Flanagan gets his chance for redemption at 5'8". Um, and it's also another debutant, actually. It's got uh, Manu in the centres as well. Um, hopefully he plays like Joey Manu, because they'll, they'll need that. I'm with you. I think the Seagulls should win in a canter. Kieran, what do you think? Oh, yeah, I've got the Seagulls. 
I didn't even realize that with my halftime entertainment that it was the same teams and it would be in <laughs> not quite equally. It'd be even more of an upset if they did. There won't be Maroon streamers and posters up on the wall this time. But uh, Miles, do you think the, uh, the, the, uh, the guys from the Northern Beaches will get the job done here? Yeah, they should do. All right, you have the next game, which is from GIO Stadium. It should have a crowd, if my memory serves, Canberra is not in lockdown. So it's the Raiders versus the Titans, Saturday at 5.30pm. Yeah, Jared Croker back for this one for the Raiders, which is handy for them, as as decent as um, Matthew Timoko has been. Um, Mm. Uh, and obviously, um, Papali and, and Whiten will, will play after playing State of Origin. Um, Brimson also apparently returning for the the Titans. Um, so unfortunately, Jaden Campbell missing out. Um, Corey Thompson back as well. Whether that means anything, um, <laughs> and uh, if anything, you know, uh, Greg Greg Martyr, I think it was, um, who, who scored two tries and his debut was has dropped out. So yeah, I, I don't know. If that's how, how wise that is, but well, whatever. Um, uh, and of course, uh, Fafita, Fasila Maliawi, and and Fodawaka backing up for Origin. Um, uh, look, I, I don't think either team has looked particularly impressive of late. Um, in particular, what what concerns me is how poor Fafita and and Fasila Maliawi were in in Origin. They've they've looked uh, a little bit lazy this year, which is never a. Uh, it would really for uh, the more seasoned Gold Coast fans, it would probably make them quite nervous given how some of the big name signings have turned out. Um, it is a must, a must win for both clubs, I, I must add. Um, could go either way. Um, but look, I, I think played in Canberra, I'm going to give the Raiders the um, unconvincing edge in this one. I have to jump on the back of your comments about Corey Thompson. Corey Thompson probably makes Queensland A. Um, <laughs> and <laughs> now that he's back fit, and especially with Militalo uh, being deemed ineligible, and he's, he's, Corey Thompson's a smoky for Origin. <laughs> like, it's, like it's it's dead set. It's at that point. He has played some centre, so maybe just throw him up there against the Trell Mitchell and see what happens. Um, look, I'm going to go the Raiders as well with a similar level of confidence. Not bloody much, uh, Friendy. Who have you got here? I coloured a queen in one side green, one side blue, and it came up green, so I'll be tipping the Raiders. <laughs> and Kieran, who you got? I look at the Raiders team, and I think they, they wish that their whole season would was played on paper because I still look at their team on paper and think it's a, a quite a decent squad, but given the way that they've gone this season, I have little to no confidence in them, but I also have little to no confidence in the Titans, so I'll just go the Raiders. Yeah, it sounds like that across the board. Kieran, you have the next game, which is the second game at McDonald James Jones Stadium for the weekend. It is the Knights versus the Cowboys at 7.35pm. So, Kalen Ponga has been named to make his long-awaited return, while Kurt Mann, who can't seem to be dropped despite form, returns to the centres despite concerns about an ankle injury. Um, Brody Jones slides back to the interchange with Jack Johns dropping to the reserves, and Daniel Saifidi backs up. Um, uh, with his brother uh, in the front row for Newcastle. Meanwhile, Todd Payton, who's out, uh, well, yeah, technically out due to isolation, being isolated uh, or having to isolate, I should say. Uh, he came in contact with someone with COVID, so he, uh, Dean Young's taking over. Um, uh, yeah, uh, I don't have a lot of confidence in the Cowboys' um, defence at all, and I 
actually, even though we've been scoring points this season, I think um, just the, the manner in which we've been losing of late, I, I don't know how we'll go and attack. A lot of it is through drink water, um, and it, but he's been carrying us this whole season. So, uh, yeah, I don't think it looks too good for the Cowboys, to be honest. I'm tipping the Knights. As part of the same COVID restrictions that have Todd Payton sitting out, I believe there was also a couple of players as well. Was it was it Tom Gilbert, your mate Tom Gilbert? Yeah, it was. Yeah. Uh, uh, Miles, your mate Tom Gilbert, he won't be playing for the Cowboys this week. <laughs> um, and Griffin Neem, who is a promising uh, Kiwi, um, but also a, a front rower uh, in the juniors and in the QRL, uh, he was also unavailable, but he wouldn't have played anyway. Um, so, yeah, no, you won't get to see your mate Tom Gilbert play. Sorry, Miles. Um, I'm going to go with my heart and go for the Cowboys here, but uh, not a lot of confidence. I, I don't like the idea of Jake Clifford kicking spiral bombs to Valentine Holmes. <laughs> so uh, we'll see how that goes. Uh, but at least Val would have faced a few in training over the years, so maybe there's that. Uh, Friendy, are you backing in the, the Novocastrians here? Yeah, I'll be tipping Newcastle in a very high-scoring game. Uh, I don't think either defence um, of the sides has been really up to scratch, to be honest, um, this season. So, And the attack, uh, especially for the Cowboys, has been pretty good. So I think, yeah, Newcastle in a very high-scoring match. Yeah, like probably both teams at least clocking 20 points probably seems pretty on brand here. Uh, Miles, where do you land on this one? Yeah, i got to go to the Knights as well. Uh, I think they'll um, be quite comfortable at here at home, and they should win. They should, but you can never trust those Cowboys, or those Knights for that matter, so <laughs> we'll have to see. Uh, I've got the next game. Uh, it, well, it might be played in front of a crowd, but I don't think so. Our lockdown in Brisbane is until 6 p.m. on Friday. This game is at 2 p.m. on Sunday. It is between the Broncos and the Sharks. The Broncos have Brody Croft and Corey Oates returning to the top grade, but the big one is the return of Katoni Staggs, who will remain in the centres for the time being. The Carmichael Hunt experiment appears to be finished for now. No Xavier Coates, no Tavita Pangai Jr. either. For the Sharks, with the fifth best halfback in the league, Chad Townsend, <laughs> departing for the Warriors, the Sharks have made... Uh, no changes to their 17, as it turns out, uh, that beat the Cowboys in Townsville. Uh, surprising, given how good Chad Townsend is. Would have thought it would have made an impact on their side. Anyway, uh, look, as I said earlier, until I see something from the Broncos, I simply can't tip them. So I'm going for the Sharks on those grounds. Kieran, what about you? Any side that has Connor Tracy with them, uh, I've got a tip them on going <laughs> the Sharks. The most influential winger in the world, Connor Tracy, according to Kieran Gibson. Miles, uh, are you a Connor Tracy fan as well? I am, um, and I'll be tipping the Sharks. And I think um, just for a, like a mini bold, uh, it looks like they might push on and make the finals here. And uh, despite what I, I think, despite what the the rest of the league would see with how they treated John Morris, uh, John Morris. So um, yeah, watch out for the Sharks, guys. If only Josh Hannay could have done that last season with the Cowboys, but uh, <laughs> Jesus wept. Uh, Friendy, who have you got for the Broncos or the Sharks? Yeah, I've got the Sharks by plenty. I think they're enjoying their footy at the moment, playing pretty uh, no pressure or no expectation sort of footy, especially Sean Johnson. So he's got his future sorted now as well. I, I expect him to win by a, well, a cricket score. A cricket score? Well, the Broncos may well be the second Queensland team to get a duck egg at Suncorp Stadium, so uh, we'll see how that plays out. Um, 
this is going to be an interesting one because it's going to be Phil Gould's favourite thing, but not really because it's Sunday afternoon football at Leichhardt Oval, but it'll be an empty Leichhardt Oval, so it's not going to be the same. It's the Tigers against the Rabbitohs, Friendy. Who? Uh, what's what's the story here? Well, it looks like Adam Dewey returns in the centres for the Tigers for Tommy Talau. Thomas McKayley's back on the bench for them. Uh, Benji Marshall comes in to that number 14 role for Souths. Luttrell has been named to back up, as has Dane Gagai. Um, it looks like they are missing uh, Tavita Totola there, though, in the front row. So mm-hmm. they've named Harme Sele at uh, number 10. Whether they line up that way, I'm not sure. Jai Arrow is named in the back row. They may do a little switcheroo. Um, but, yeah, I'll, I'll be tipping Souths here. Um the Tigers, obviously, their last NRL performance, they conceded 66 points. So I cannot tip them at all. I'll be going with South Sydney. Yeah, I'm a little bit concerned about the the make the makeup of the Rabbitohs forward pack. Um, far be it from me to question the methods of Wayne Bennett, but I don't understand how anyone could have seen Jai Arrow playing on an edge uh, on Sunday night and then go, yep, I want to see more of that. Um, <laughs> he is... He, he gave it a red-hot go, but he's not an edge. He's a, he's a middle player, so uh, that one confusing. But Wayne might have something up his sleeve there, and as you say, maybe a late change or two to the lineup. You have to tip the Rabbitohs here as far as I'm concerned. Kieran, what do you think? Yeah, agree completely. The Rabbitohs. And without the crowd to spur them on, Leichhardt Oval, Miles, it's, it's going to be tough for them. Yeah, absolutely. Well, it's just about their, their best weapon they have at the moment is the, the Leichhardt crowd, and it's not going to be there. So it's, yeah, Rabbitohs for me. All right, let's talk some bold predictions because that one didn't quite cut it for me. Uh, the Rabbitohs beating the Tigers, not bold enough. <laughs> let's let's go a little bit bolder. I'll start us off. Uh, for the Eels against the Panthers, I think both edge back rowers are going to have... Are they going to out not just outplay their opposites, which are going to be Kikau and Capewell? I think a lot of the game is going to be decided in that part of the world. I think Isaiah Papali'i and Madison will both score a try. So that's going to be my ball prediction. Both edge back rowers from the Eels to score a try. Isaiah Papali'i and Ryan Madison. Miles, what's your ball prediction? Well, I, I know I totally flummoxed this one last time, but I've, I, I checked and I checked and I checked again this time, and Jake Clifford will be playing against his former team, um, unlike Chad Townsend <laughs> playing against his future team. Um, and I, I think he'll uh, he'll show the Cowboys. Uh, what they're missing. Um, uh, I- I'm going to tip him for one try, two try assists, and 100 kick metres. I- I'm not intimately familiar with his game, so I'm not sure how they stack up against his averages, but that to me would be a, a pretty good uh, uh, Robin performance alongside um, Mitchell Pierce's Batman. Fuck oath it would. That'd be an excellent game. <laughs> that would be so good. Um, and don't worry about the Chad Townsend thing. I was very kind to you with the edit button. So it's all good. Uh, it, didn't, it didn't even come out at all until you just mentioned it then. And I'll probably have to edit around it now. Uh, <laughs> friendly, friendly, what's your bold prediction? Do you reckon I would be able to edit around it or no? Oh, you could do anything, Bo, with the editing button, I think. Um, <laughs> my bold prediction for this week, I think the teams at the moment in the, the PVL ball, as it's been named, once they find a weak spot, they just keep going back there. So I think eight or more left wingers across the weekend will score. Eight or more left wingers across the league to score a try. I like that. And it's going to be very fun trying to keep up with <laughs> with uh, how that progresses uh, with all your highlights watching. Good luck with that. Uh, and 
Kieran, you have the, you have the last one, last but not least. What's your bowl prediction for the week? I've got five games to be decided by a one to twelve margin. Five games by one to twelve in PVL ball. Yeah, that's going to be excellent. So obviously the Bulldogs and the Seagulls, um, <laughs> the the Rabbitohs and the Tigers. Uh, yeah, now you're right. They're probably the two that don't, and maybe one more. Okay, interesting. I'd love to see it. Like that's a that's an optimistic prediction. Hundred yeah, uh, percent. So that's that's good to see. Uh, thank you very much. Miles Stedman, Daniel Friend, Kieran Gibson. It's been a pleasure as always. And go the Cowboys. Go the Cowboys and go Denmark. Go the Knights. Go Denmark and go the lockdown as well. Come on. Oh, no. <laughs> Please no. Get me out. <laughs> <laughs> Above the Horizontal is brought to you by the Pioneer Australia. Find them on Facebook or at www.pioneeraustralia.wordpress.com. The panellists are Miles Stedman, Kieran Gibson and Daniel Friend. And it's hosted and produced by me, Bo Nicholson.